I want to I want to challenge you guys. When you surrendered your heart to God for the first time, you said, "God, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I'm gonna do whatever I think I'm supposed to do. But I'm gonna give you my whole life. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my whole life." I just want to encourage you guys who have been Christians for more than a day that you should probably do it again today. You should probably go, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean in today as if we're starting all over, and I'm going to give you this whole thing with all that feeling of risk again, and I'm excited because you're that big and that good. So we as a family, as a church, God, just invite you in to rewrite the rest of our story. We, we believe that you're bigger than we are in imagining great things for our lives. And so we just together invite you, Holy Spirit, today, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, challenge us for this next season of life, maybe even for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, well, I, this is our last week in our seven-week session on praise. Seven weeks has been a very long time. It's been really, really cool for me. I want to be able to focus on this. Um, let's, yeah, we'll start, start in here. I want this to serve kind of as a capstone. We obviously will return to praise and worship in time again to talk about not just the significance, but, but what God's saying about it in this season. But for us as a church, I want this message to be kind of our a cornerstone of, sto- of sorts. It's a foundational piece of how we see God ourselves and how we're supposed to live. And I'm just going to read this phrase, and, and it says, your, well, the title, Your Life as a Monument to the King of the Undeserving. That's a long title. It's a long title. We had a long sermon last week. I, he's not here, but one of my favorite people that comes to this church made the best comment last week. He came up to me, and he's like, Vince, that was a marathon sermon. That was a marathon. I was just trying to stay focused. It was so long. And I said, thank you so much. That was, the, that was the best possible compliment ever. He goes, that was just really long. I said, all right. That, that was it. And that was it. And then we talked about other things. So I'm not going to be that long today, but I have a long title. How about that? Is, can, I, can we compromise there? All right, let's go to the next slide. Last week, we talked about this. You guys remember this? And I just, I want to bring it back to your attention again. We, the whole concept in Psalms 22 is that we, we, are in, we are encouraged to cry out in honesty. And what that sounds like is a roar of, of oftentimes pain and challenge and, and confusion. And we're, it's modeled for us in Jesus on the cross where he goes, why have you forsaken me? He's calling out, saying the truth of his moment. But then he bounces immediately to this posture of, but you are good, you are great. I, I believe and you will be, be faithful, you will perform. And what we like in those two things was when we're in that place of honesty and pain and observation of our moment, that's like a lion. And we are, we are lions when we call out in honesty to God and we're encouraged to do that and it's a place of power. But then there's this other thing, there's this, this work and this training and this endurance that we have where we also at the same time say, God, you are faithful and good. I never separate the two. I never just live in a place of, why me? This is hard. Where are you? I always say, 
I might feel like, why me? This is hard. Where are you? But I also then say, you are God, and you are good, and you've been faithful. And the story of Psalms 22 is for generations. For generations, you've proven yourself. For all of the history I know, you've always, when you act, have acted in a way of faithfulness. And you're worth serving, you're worth giving my life for. And what I want us today to do is, is camp again on this concept of monuments, that we are not only to understand them, we ourselves are to build them and construct them. And we're supposed to have monuments in our life that point us so vividly and, and immediately back to a faithful God that anytime there's shakiness, we turn and we look at our own history and we say, God is a faithful God worth my praise. That's the foundation. So if you leave today with anything, you're leaving with an opportunity to begin to remember God in your places of challenge as a faithful God who met you and delivered you from those seasons of challenge. And if that becomes a routine where you begin to see life as if, oh, a challenge is coming my way, another opportunity for God to prove himself faithful. I change my posture and I become like a warrior as opposed to a victim. I become someone who's able to endure, take on, face anything because it's not just me on my own, it's me and my God and our history that this new moment is trying to apprehend. It's coming after me and it thinks it will derail me, but really it's just another stepping stone for another monument to be erected. All right, that was last week. You guys should come. You should have come. It was good. You can go on the podcast. All right. Part one, sermon, over. Okay, let's move. Part two. We're going fast today. I can't have another, I can't have another marathon. I, I don't have it in me. I'm, I'm tired. He's, he was tired. He didn't deserve that. He's like, why did you do this to me, man? I got, I got lunch. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Okay. Uh, this is, this is one ver a couple verses out of Psalms 22. So we read this last week. It was the, it was the focus, but we're going to pick up on a few key points. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. So this was one of his little muscle baby phrases where he's like, listen, he's good. Stand in awe of him. I don't care what's going on. I'm doing my pull-ups, right? All right, looking strong. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking strong. You're looking strong. You're looking strong. And he says this, he says, For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. Tell your neighbor, you look afflicted. <laughs> okay, you guys were a little hesitant on that one. <laughs> you don't know. All right. All right. You're either strong or you're afflicted or maybe both. All right. This last sentence, it says, He did not hide his face from me but heard when I cried to him. All right, let's go to the next slide. I want you guys to understand this word afflicted. This word afflicted is not just, um, it's not a, like a passing concept in the Bible. This word afflicted, the, the, the uses, the definition, there's three of them here, poor and needy, poor and weak, oppressed by the rich and powerful, poor, weak, or pious in Israel, afflicted by wicked nations. This, uh, this concept of us being broken, 
physically afflicted, politically or financially afflicted, us being low, humans being low in different seasons, or maybe just period, is a concept that runs throughout Scripture from the very beginning through the very end. We see this idea where Jesus says it best when he's on the mountain. He goes, blessed are, and then he lists these things. And he lists all these things. He said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the weak. Blessed are the, the, the meek. Blessed are those who are basically, as he defines these lists of things, he, he says, you who are not here, but here, are seen in a different way from my, my seat. I look at you and I see where you're at in your life, and I see where you see that you're at in your season or in your moment, and you go, I'm on the bottom of an upside-down pyramid. I'm down, and God says, I see how you see you, but I actually see you as being on the top of a pyramid when you're in that state where you're broken, where you're needy, where you're without, where you have lack. God sees you and he says, there's something there that is not just of interest to me, it's actually fundamental to my perception of how value works on earth. You see, I look out my window and I go, high rise, penthouse. That's not my window, it's just in my, high, my head. <laughs> and then I look over here and I go, uh, shanty, rundown shack. And you go, which one is good? And I think it's so obvious to us that there's, there's, a, there's a draw and a need for, for favor and establishment of strength and wealth and all these things. And those are God's good ideas on a certain level. But I think it's interesting that God, when he speaks to humanity, identifies a value system that is, it takes all of that and it sets it aside and it reaches beyond it into the heart of a person and says there's something in you when you're low, when you're afflicted, when you're broken, that's powerful. You see, it's, it's there that we're able to reach towards a God that would turn to us and there's a connection made between heaven and earth that is different in his design than what we would have designed. See, I, if I'm designing a faith and I'm God, I'm like, I want the top performers. I want the A-plus students. I want the ones who pay attention when I give them directions and then they go and do what they're told and then I reward them for that because they're awesome. Uh, I like the ones who smile when they see me. I'd like the ones who are good to their neighbors. I'd like the ones who, I don't know, smell right, look right, act right. That's the team I want. That's the religion I create. Huh, that's the penthouse outside my window. It's not the shanty on the other side of town. See, God, when he made us, he had this, this understanding that there was going to be disparity while here on earth. And he understood it because he understood that disparity wasn't him that was forcing it on humanity. It was actually the devil and his legions that were actually out to destroy, kill, kill and steal life, joy, hope, peace from all of humanity. So God, knowing he made us and sent us into an environment where 
the devil was going to be pursuing destruction. He knew there would always be those who, in spite of all of their well wishes, good heart, desires, and purity of, of purpose as a baby, would get thrown into that river and be subject to the challenge of the world we live in. He knew before we were formed that some of us would endure hardship. And for those who, who haven't really endured like hardship, like shantytown hardship, we've endured other hardship. We've, we've been afflicted by many, many things. And God knew that that was part of the equation. And so he sets out early in his interaction with humanity. And he looks all over the earth. And all he looks for are people who, in their affliction, in their poverty, in their weakness, in their oppression by different forces, would turn and look to him rather than turn and rail against him. All he wants is humility. All he wants is an understanding that the value you bring to him is small, but the purity of a broken heart turned to him is big. It's a different perspective God offers us to embrace. And so we are talking about praise. We're talking about what it's like to have a life where we can consistently turn and see God's hand in our life and we can consistently see he was good and worthy of praise. And I, and I think that we have the idea that in order to erect a, a monument to God, we have to accomplish something massive. Like we have to walk over the Jordan River without it parting. We gotta walk on water. And then we'll say, finally, I did something super for God and he was there with me, yeah, he was a part of it. So let's make a monument now it's amazing. I was 37, and it finally happened. I was 28, and I finally did it. Remember the first time I led someone to the Lord? What a mighty moment of God's work in my life. They were changed. I felt empowered. It was all happening for the first time. Is that a penthouse concept, or is that a shantytown concept? Is that a victory, like I am strong, therefore I should celebrate? Or is it a victory that may be different that we should consider where he is strong and therefore we should celebrate? You say, well, I haven't had much life. I just have a lot of problems. <laughs> I'm still trying to get the degree. I'm still trying to get the job. still trying to get the spouse. I'm still trying to get the kids. I'm still trying to like, get things in order in a way that would be celebra celebrated either within my family or within my conception of God. I'm not quite there yet, but I know someday, I believe, he'll use me in a way that I would be able to build a monument for God's greatness in my family line in my life. I think that we have to change our perspective. And I think we need to understand the fundamentals of God's value for us is us acknowledging how small we are how big he is, turning and looking at our own story and going, where are my monuments? Because the truth is, he's been there in your life from the very beginning. Do you remember, as we read Psalms 22 last week, the psalmist, one of his first baby pull-up moments was when he said, but you were there when I was born. 
You protected me and, and allowed me to live. You, you preserved me and you preserved my life. You say, well, God hasn't had many moments in my life that I could turn and look to. The truth is all of us can start there. But I'm going to tell you there's so much more than just your birth moment and your birth story. You see, there's these moments in our lives where we're, we're under the weight of the heaviest things we've ever experienced. Whether they're generational, whether they're seasonal, whether it was like the bad boyfriend. I was under the weight of the bad boyfriend. They ruined that season of my life. The bad girlfriend just ruined my moment, ruined my season. Mentally, emotionally, physically, I just turned into someone I would never have dreamt of being, but I was basically the victim of that season. My choices, their choices, it doesn't matter. I was low, ugly, nasty. I was kind of afflicted in different ways. You try to forget those moments is what you do. You try to move on and you try to just reconcile a life as if it never happened. I won't make that mistake again, I'll move forward. Oftentimes we say, I'll make better choices next time and therefore God will be good in the future and I, you know, I'll be in line with him and I won't have those experiences. I think the challenge is this that I'd like to make to you guys today. The challenge is understanding that those moments and seasons of pain, dysfunction, um, let's call it bad performance, bad behavior. Do any of you have any of those? Because I, like, I'm thinking of my life, and I'm like, yeah, this is a great sermon. He's, he is making good examples. He totally knows what life's like. That's what I'm saying to myself. Some of you guys may have none of that. Maybe you're like, I've, I'm perfect, Vince. I'm going, I'm, it's good. I, li I, like, wrote Sunday school curriculum my whole life since the time I was five. I'm just like an angel over here. I, I just, I want you guys to think about the hard stuff. And I want to ask you this question. When you turn back and look at the hard stuff, is your reaction, God is so good? Or is your reaction, I wonder where God was? Those are two completely different things. There's two completely different things. Go to the next slide, Mike. This is the challenge. Return to your season of affliction and construct a monument of praise. Okay. Do you think Abraham would have been happier if God didn't have to intervene and save him from like the physical wars that he had to go through? Some of the first instances we have is of these monuments being constructed is like Abraham, he builds these piles of rocks to look back that God came and saved and helped him. But usually it was because like God intervened. Elijah on the mountain of Baal, like he has this war with all these guys, and he, he like, constructs stones to celebrate God's intervention. Do you truthfully think that Elijah was like, that was the best moment of my life? Or Abraham's like, that was epic, I'm glad I went through that? It's like, no, God, how could I have avoided that? That was terrible. Elijah actually like, runs out, and he's like, I don't, like, why are we doing this? I'm going to get under a tree. I'm done. This is, this is crazy. Why do we keep going through these challenges? You see, I just want, I want you to understand your significance in the kingdom of God. You see, if you think you're small and weak and just barely getting along, trying to make it, you're never going to feel like there's something to celebrate in your history with God. 
You're just going to focus in. And see, this is the devil's like number one attempt, that he looks at you and he tries to convince you that you're just struggling through life. You're never really overcoming anything. You're always going to be kind of just behind where you'd like to be. Therefore, there's nothing to celebrate about you. And then there's obviously nothing to celebrate about God because God hasn't shown up in you. That's the lie. And so here's the thing I'd like you to consider is that your seasons, and maybe you're in one right now of confusion, weakness, or challenge, or those moments, if you look back and you go, this was a scarring moment, Vince. Like if I sat with you and told you my story, and I told you what happened to me in that moment or that season, you would say there was no good. There was no good. There was no good. And you would understand my pain and shame and all these things. I just want, I want you to understand something. You have to invite God to visit you and provide commentary on who he was in those moments, who he is in this season, what he is doing, and more importantly, what he's preparing and where you're going as a result of your partnership with him. See, the enemy wants you to be defined by your challenges, your weaknesses, your lack. God wants you to be defined by your small humility and your great faith, which turns and looks at hard seasons and hard moments and says, I don't understand it, but God, you are big enough to use it, and I know the story will be told in eternity about how good you were and how you worked through that season. And look, look, not just at me now, but look where I'm going and who I'm going to become because I can celebrate you then because I know nothing will, will fail to work together for my good. You will reconcile all of these things. And therefore, no matter the size of the challenge or the significance of the hardship, I'll turn and I'll look and I'll say, God is worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. You say, well, it's, it just doesn't work in some instances because some things are just bad. And I'll just tell you guys, I, we're not supposed to kind of whitewash our experience and go, it was all God and it was all good. That's not true. That's not it. There's the dark and the light. We're working, we're, what, we're, what we're working towards is a testimony that God can do great things in spite of all the challenges, hardships, and evil that I've had to overcome. That's the true story. And so if, if you're to take stock and inventory on your life in this moment, I want to ask you a question from this perspective. How much does God value you? How hard has the enemy been after you? And I think you'll start to see a correlation, that there is greatness in you, and if you're someone who feels constantly barraged, constantly challenged to overcome a certain thing or to, to, to break through in a certain way, I would argue you're probably somebody God has huge plans for. You're probably someone God is so proud of, and I bet you, if you were to look at those seasons of change or challenge and, and affliction, you would say, wow. And with fully eyes open, like if you could see the whole story, you'd say, wow, they sent big armies after me, but God allowed me to have just enough 
to where I could get stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm a survivor, actually. I have courage, actually. I have faith, actually. I am big. I'm big. I'm mighty. And so for you, I just want you to understand this. Your story is, is not over. It's just beginning. But I'll tell you, the, the person God has in mind for you to become and the things he has in mind for you to do forward going will only be possible because they're so big and so significant if you turn and you look at your story and there's not one part of your story that hasn't been surrendered to God in a monument constructed that says he's good in all of those moments, in all of those seasons. All right. That was so good, Vince. I, jeez, you, this was not a marathon today. This was just good. It was good. Let's go to the next slide. <laughs> okay, but if you don't, you ready? Let's read what the Bible says. You're going to die. I'm just kidding. All right, let's read it. All right. Jesus said, pray then this way. You guys heard of this before? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I want to focus on the red. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause. This is the Lord's Prayer. How many of you, many of you have probably memorized this. We all know it. I want to focus in on the red because of all those things Jesus told us to pray, he decided to explain one of those things. I think it's interesting that he has this list of kind of major concepts. He's like, this is how you should pray. He, if I'm him, I'm like, hey, can you explain all of them? Because I, call me dumb. I just, you know, seems like a pretty significant thing, like how I should talk to God. He's like, no, I'll just explain one point. Okay, he explains this one point. And forgive us our debts as we also have, been, have forgiven our debtors. For, if you forgive, like he just skips that line in between. You notice that? He's like, I need to explain this to you. So he says, for, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, how do these relate? Okay. In order for us to have sincere monuments of praise, I'll tell you guys, forgiveness has to be a fundamental piece of who we are, how we function, how we think on an absolutely constant basis. There is no part of our life that our Christian life, our faith life, our healthy life, our vibrant, healed life, physical, emotional, total healing that can happen without forgiveness being at the core. Jesus in instructing us how to interact with God how to have a healthy interaction with God, how to do it so it works. He goes on and adds extra expl explanation around you got to forgive people what they owe you, just like you've been forgiven what you were owed. I said that funny, but you get it. You get the point. So he here's, here's the thing. If I'm looking back on my life, and I'm like, my pastor asked me to look back and highlight all the monuments in my life of praise and celebration. And you're like, I got none. It's been rough. <laughs> it's been rough. It's been tough. 
It might even be tougher tomorrow. I don't know. I'll tell you, what you're missing is the ability to see and hear. When Jesus came, he interacted with the Pharisees like, you guys can't see, you can't hear. God opened their eyes and their ears. They knew the Bible. They knew the rules. They knew their history. But they were acting out of a place of dysfunction. They weren't acting out of a place of Psalms 22 where they were walking through a, a, a minefield of life with great courage and great hope. But they, they were looking back and they were, instead of saying how great and wonderful God was, available to me, therefore available to all, they were looking back and going, got to create rules because good things only happen to good people. And so my question for you is, if things aren't leaping out at you when I ask you the question, what are your monuments? I would argue you probably have some situations where you've had real engagement with spiritual challenge that manifested with natural challenge, right? Those two always come together. Say, well, I had a physical challenge. I had a, I had a health issue. But usually there's a spiritual connection to that thing. So you had a moment where you went through war. And if you don't have forgiveness and a culture of forgiveness in your heart, you would turn and look at that war and you'd start accusing. Somebody is at fault for that war having happened. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Oh, it's not over here. Who is it over here? It's someone in the room. And you go, no, 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 Vince, it's not. It's not. I'm good. I'm a Christian. I've forgiven all those people. Uh, okay. So what are you celebrating about that season of life? Oh, nothing. I'm just glad it's over. Okay. So who is at fault? Well, I don't blame my pastor. It wasn't his fault. I don't blame my ex. It wasn't their fault. Who's left? God, God's left. God's, God's still there. See, until you can bring forgiveness, which you have all the authority over in your life, you get to decide. You, get, you are king and queen of one thing, baby, and that's forgiveness. I give it out to whomever I want, and I keep it from whomever I want, and no one, truthfully, can get in, the, in that, that relationship. Not even Sophia. Mm -mm. She can't make me forgive anybody. She might tell me I should. Mm -mm. That's my power, baby. That's mine. You back up. You go forgive your own friends. I'm saving this. Oh, we, we have that authority. We have dominion, actually, over that area of our life. We, we have control over what happens on the inside of us because we can say, God, you can come in, or we say, no, no, no. We'll just be quiet on this point. You say, well, I, no, 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 I worked through it. It was the pastor's fault for years, but I, I matured and I grew up, and I'm not hurt by them anymore. It's not them. It's not them. Do you go to church? Oh, no, no, no. I don't, don't want to go to church. That, that's not fun. Why would I do that? Oh, okay. Do you enjoy worship? Oh, no, you know, certain, certain, I like gospel worship. I don't, I don't like the CCM stuff. Weird, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's not really a spiritual, I don't get, no, 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 no. I said worship. Like, do you actually worship and connect with God? Okay. If 
you're, if you're full and you're rich. You have kingdom in you. You have righteousness, peace, joy. You've got to be free. You've got to be free. I'm not very joyful. I'm not very peaceful. But I love Jesus, and he's amazing. Okay. All right, so we got some work to do. We can all acknowledge that. The first thing we want to do is we want to just, instead of looking forward going, I'm worried about the future, Jesus is like, don't do that. That's not, <laughs> that's not a good idea. He's like, let's just take one moment, look at our present, look at our past, and go, God, I want to be peaceful, joyful, and full of life. Is there anything back there that I have not brought you into and said, you're good, I celebrate you, and I trust you? See, because I, I, I need to be able to have this foundation with God. Because I want to do amazing things. I want to be courageous, be led by him, be miracle-working, sent one that can go into any arena with great courage and great authority, great peace and great power. But I'll tell you, if you have a broken foundation, you have a history where it's fractured and you're just doing it out of performance or, or maybe you're trying to reconcile pain in your past and you say, I got to go, I got to go. I'm going to be a missionary, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to go. But there's actually not a foundation of it's me and Jesus and we are so good and so close and so at peace and I'm in love with him and he's, I trust him to send me anywhere because I know he'll be with me. And it's sincere. If you don't have that, all the going, all the doing, all the casting out of demons, all of the in Jesus' name be freeze, all the healing signs and wonders you, you do won't make up for the fact that the foundation is broken. The true point of all this is that he and I are together. I can go anywhere and do anything, and I'll carry the kingdom with me. I'll have peace, and I'll have joy. I'll sleep like a baby, and I'll get up happy. That's what we're after. Because then we, when we come and we, we encounter people that don't sleep like a baby, who don't have peace and don't have joy, we, we go, hey, 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 come here. Let me give you some of what I got. Hang out with me. I, I, can, I, can, I know the answer to all that you're carrying. I know how to get that backpack off of you that's full of heavy, ugly weights. But you don't have that authority unless you have a history. Because you have to have an experience where you, you encounter challenge and you encounter hardship and you reconcile it because the truth is God is not the bringer of pain. He is the bringer of good. Good gifts, good gifts. God is the bringer of good gifts. And so it's very simple, guys, and it doesn't require years of study. I'll tell you this. I, it is so important that we turn and look back and reconcile what God has done. And we do it sincerely, and we allow him to bring up anything he needs to. And then we just say, God, man, I didn't like Vera for so long. Ooh, she was offensive. She'd make fun of my hair. She would tell me my food wasn't good in my house. She doesn't like our chicken nuggets at our house. Until I go, but thank you for sending her into my life. I needed to be humbled. I, I was so proud of my head. <laughs> and I needed to be nicer to my wife because she's a good chicken nugget cooker. Like, like, like Vera, Vera came to bridge the gap. 
right? She came to bridge the gap. Jesus, I see that you were there in her helping me, even though she created a stir by putting her finger on those things. Guys, it can get way more serious. I'll give you, some, I'll give you a list of things to consider. But what you do is you go revisit and you go, God, I didn't understand it at the time, and maybe I got 50% of it now. I don't have 100, but I believe you were there. I believe in time you'll prove to me again that you were good, even in that season. And I'm not holding you hostage anymore. I'm not demanding explanation. I'm acknowledging that you're big, you're good. And I was afflicted. I was afflicted in that season, maybe for really good reason. It was real affliction, or maybe it was just me, but it was hard for me. I was afflicted, but what I'll say instead of my affliction was hard is I'll say, you turned to me in my affliction. And I'll celebrate, like the psalmist celebrated, that you looked my way and you didn't despise the affliction of the afflicted. You see, I think that our instinct, it's like, why would he say he didn't despise the affliction of the afflicted? It's because that's what we do. We look at the afflicted and we're like, oh, better be, there must be a reason for that. I, they brought that on themselves. Oh, you know, I, ooh, I like, hate to hear their story. It's rough for them. Sure, they sinned a lot. <laughs> and so we, but like, I know that's, like, that sounds harsh, but anytime you see someone that's really broken, usually you go, I wonder how they got there. Probably. You're all a little better than I am, but you probably have thought something along those lines. Like, I wonder what, you know, got them to that point. He 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 doesn't look at it that way. He doesn't say that the affliction speaks for itself and therefore I'll I'll interact based on the affliction or not. He just says there's a human being there and I love them. And so for us, we look back at our moment of of visitation of affliction and we say, whether I brought it on, whether another person brought it on, or maybe I don't even know what brought it on. It was real and it was hard and it defined me. I choose to trust God and I will, I will forgive him if I've been holding him hostage for the results of that season and so then what I've done is I've said that was hard but it was strengthening me it was the baby doing the pull-ups the Elkin style pull-ups like 20 a day that's right Elkin maybe not but me either, buddy. We're going to start. It was, the, it was a pull-up moment. I'm stronger. I, I don't like it. I didn't like it. But I'll tell you, me being able to acknowledge God's presence and goodness in it will not just protect my future, but it will free future generations who follow me because that thing won't get them because I've already conquered it. I gave God dominion and lordship over that affliction, over that pain, over that challenge. It may have been mine to bear for a season, but I will win. God's not to blame. He is good, and we have a bright future ahead of us. All right, let me look at this next slide. And I want to ask you guys the question. In all the areas of your heart and your life, which one is 
are you? Are you the lion roaring in various volumes that's saying, it was bad, it was hard, it wasn't good? Or are you the, the, the warrior in training that's like, he is good, I am strong. He is good, we will overcome, or we have overcome. How, how is your perspective on what has come before this day? And let's, re, let's resolve it. If you're stuck on a lion's roar of like, oh, it's just rough, it's just ugly and it's just bad, you invite God, I don't care how serious the circumstance, and you say, God, teach me to, to make that a monument of your power in my life, your goodness in my life, whether it's giving me perspective on what happened or actually changing me forward going because you can create new out of bad. You are that big. You don't care about the affliction. Go to the next slide. All right, we're going to run through a list here. All right? Nobody raise your hand. Nobody look at their neighbor. But here's the question. Who are you as a son or a daughter? Like in real life, son or a daughter? Are you joyful? Do you have peace? Is God present in your memory of your childhood, your current father, daughter, father, son, mother, son, mother, daughter? Relationship? I got all four of them. See that? It's good. Let's go to the next one. Who are you as an employee? You got joy and peace? If you look back at your bosses over time, do you say, well, that one was just evil? He was actually the spawn of the devil. And, <laughs> and there's no good thing that came from that experience. Or do you say, stronger. I am stronger and God got me out of it. I am better for it. God, thank you. And I forgive that guy. I don't know what was going on with him. I don't know his life. I don't focus on the affliction that he caused or the affliction that I saw on him that he gave to everybody else. There's a soul in there, and I have to forgive. Forgive, forgive. Some of you have bosses that just, they make you this big. You need to forgive them. You need to have your own idea of who you are so you can be big, and you can move forward with God. Sometimes God won't move you on from a job until you've got what you were sent there for. And I promise you, it's not always money. All right? So you just, you, you look at your moment, you look at your season, and you say, who am I? Has forgiveness reigned in these relationships? Next one. Girlfriend, boyfriend. All right, that's self-explanatory. Those can be just wonderful, right? All wonderful. Good. Let's go to the next one. Husband and wife. Okay, these last longer. This one's a little more important. So the, the husband and wife relationship. Who are you? Are you defined by maybe seasons that were challenging? Are you defined by what you saw in your parents? Or are you afraid to become a husband or a wife because of what you saw modeled? You have to invite Jesus into that conversation. Who is he? Have I forgiven? Am I free? Am I joyful? Next one, church member. Oh, you guys are here, so there's hope. <laughs> I hope you're happy. And if you're not, I don't really care, but I, I do want to see that you guys are making progress. And hopefully you're happy with yourself. I don't care if you're happy with me. And no, this is not a marathon service either. Last week was a marathon, so I don't care about that. All right, next one. Who are you, city of Berkeley? All right. Um, this, this is one thing I want to say. We have a mission at this church that will evolve over the next couple of years. 
where we will impact this city. And I think this city is, is a place that has been defined by a history that has not been redeemed. If you look at the, the way the world and the country thinks about Berkeley, they think of the, the riots in the 60s, they think of the revolution on campus in, in that same era. They, if you look further back, you'll look at the Native Americans that were here that were challenged and, and treated poorly. There's a, a, I'll call it a rich but challenged history in this city. God is interested in redeeming this city, but it requires a people that can come and say God is good and has been good for generations. He is going to do what he intended to do with this city over time. And so for us, it's our duty not to partner with the lion's voice of what has been here in the past. Because if you consider it, it's like if you look at history, your own or anyone's history, without the lens of God's work, God's grace, God's beautiful hand, you'll see that you can choose to highlight points of success and joy and celebration, or you can choose to celebrate pain, suffering, hardship. Too often, our culture is defined by the, the pain of its history, not the joy. And so our mission as a church will be to bring joy and hope and peace to this city because that's God's intention. And so it's, it's for us to start to pray into and believe for a new day here. But guys, it really requires us individually having that same joy, peace, and hope. Look at the next, last slide. Just a reminder, your life, your life, the whole thing is supposed to be a monument to the king. The whole thing. And usually what that means, it's a series of decisions. It's a series of, he was victorious here. He was building me there. He was using me here. He was redefining me there. All points to him and says, he is good and he's accomplishing great things in my life. And so be brave as it relates to the things that you would call afflictions in your moment. Turn to the Lord with them and say, God, you've brought me out of other seasons and other moments. You will bring me out of this. First off, I don't hold you hostage. You are not the cause of my pain. You are the, the deliverer. You're the provider. You're the healer. And so I invite you into this moment and any moment in my past that would confuse my perception of who you are and what you're doing, please come make it plain and I'll surrender and I'll ask for your forgiveness because you forgive those who forgive others. And so I want, I want a life where I can be free and I can give that same freedom away. All right, let me pray for you guys. Father, I just thank you so much for this awesome family, this awesome group that's looking to you with hope for their future. And God, we invite you into our places of pain, and we invite you into our story to the degree that we could see your work, your good, good work in every step of our journey. God, we know that you sent the Israelites through Egypt to purify and to refine them. There was great hardship, but you used those hardships for very, very good outcomes. You established a people. And so we invite you in those areas of our life that are confusing, challenging, maybe even feel like dry desert places, to begin like you did with Moses, to show us your presence, show us your hand, and teach us to love, trust, and value at all costs. Because we wanna be monuments of praise. We want to be people 
who when anyone looks at them, they go, wow, the kingdom is on them, righteousness, peace, and joy. They're alive with celebration and alive with praise. They're not heavy and burdened by normal life things. They have a story of God's goodness and they believe that the rest of their story will include his goodness even more. And so empower us to have the thoughts that you think, the eyes that you see with, and the ears that you hear with. Our day to day is defined by your hand in our life. You are winning. You are good. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to invite you guys, if you need prayer, I mean, some of these things can be better tackled with partners, right? Sometimes we need to vocalize like, hey, I know I've been, I've just been not good in this area of my life for a long time. I need it to just once and for all to break. It's good to vocalize that, pray with somebody and start a new day today. And I just want to encourage you guys, come up. We got people up here ready to pray for you if you want to do that. For the rest of you guys, do it on your own. Take time. Just celebrate God's story in your life. And then look forward to tomorrow. Amen? All right. God bless you. Love you guys.